Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. That's, yeah, they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I managed to stay alive for six years. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. I'm down Swanfield, and we'll see them. What are you doing down here, you shawny man? Hello and welcome to Monday's Second Captain's Football Podcast, Hurricane Ophelia Special. To those of you who have been getting in touch, demanding to know if we're podcasting today. Firstly, thank you for your concern. Yes, we're all fine. <laughs> hi, Ken. Hi, Murph. Hi, how are you? <laughs> and secondly, yes, we are in here podcasting, but the longer we sit here banging on about football, the closer we get to being stuck in the middle of the worst storm to hit Ireland in more than half a century. Just looking outside the window here onto Baggett Street, fellas. Mm. Normally, there are, well, it's mostly suits out there uh-huh. at, at this time of day. Uh, but there is very little out there, very little signs. Like I've, I see a couple of tourists over there at the traffic lights looking at yeah. their map. I do hope that they haven't chosen this as the holiday where they switch off entirely. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going on social yeah, media. Yeah. Take Twitter off my phone. Yeah, no, if Facebook. anyone tries to call, unless it's an emergency, yeah. we're going to be out strolling around <laughs> suddenly, uh-oh. Because I do have to say, there isn't a single thing about the current weather situation that would lead you to believe that a hurricane is about to mm. hit. It's lovely. All we have to go on is the dire warnings of literally everyone in the country. Yeah. So we do need Can to... Can you literally been lulled into a false sense of security? That's, yeah. oh, that's what storms do. Yeah. By the, well, there was a deathly we'll stillness to... yesterday, I thought. Mm. There was not a, not a leaf was stirring. And I thought, and it was a bit weird. Um, and now it's a little bit more blustery, but not hurricane force yet but apparently it's only meant to start around here around one o'clock or so yeah we're recording this around half talking 11, to you now yes. half 11 here so you know maybe we should get on I yeah. mean, all i'm saying is you know we could stay here and talk all day about <laughs> the weather that is definitely going to come because everyone is telling us <laughs> yeah. it's going to come or i have know. to explain to you they might be hearing this a good few hours later because we need to get recording we need to or get even, out of here safely yeah. simon needs to get home get editing and the show mm. will be up at some point. Yeah. Touch wood. That's assuming that everything. People could be listening later. Okay. They could be listening in Yokohama. I really could be listening in Beirut. Someone, yeah. someone had, uh, tweeted me yesterday asking me, could I put a shout out for a new eleven, uh, seven aside soccer team in Beirut? So if you've any Irish people in Beirut, just come to me and I'll put you in touch with others. So people are listening all over the world. On is what I'm saying. And Hurricane Ophelia is just a big deal here in little old Ireland. Yeah. So we need to, I, I, I suppose you're right, we do need to explain why we're talking about this hurricane <laughs> so much and why we, they, we need to get the hell out of Should here. Should we tell our loved ones we love them just in case this is the last thing? Ah, I'm sure they know. There's no, there's no way she'd find it, literally. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, 
It's just it'd be like a message in a bottle that actually would send into space. Yeah. So I've got one way of keeping this thing short and snappy so we can get home safely. Which is just focus solely on the Liverpool Man United match. Oh uh, no, we can't, we can't do that. United no. defensive, yeah. Liverpool blunt, De Gea, great goalkeeper. That's it. Show done. Thanks bye for bye. Stay safe. We're out of here. Let's get into the report and sport anyway, Ken. See what you've got. Well, you 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 watched it on. Yeah. Um, well, I was minding my nieces at the time. What did you think? Did you think there was nothing? I else? they were in great form, Ken. Yeah, Layla was good. Kara's Kara's only two. You no, know, no, she's no. starting to show a bit of personality. What was there? Was there anything more? Was there anything more Manchester United could have done? Um, Hands were tied. No Pogba. No Fellaini. I think there is a lot more they could have done, Ken. And I look. I sometimes I feel you go over the top in your Mourinho criticisms, right? Do you? I, well, I feel you. I owe. I feel like you're ready to have a go at any given time. Yeah. To have a pop at Jose Mourinho. You, this, this is in the last year or two, not always. Certainly in the last year or two, I have felt, since maybe his return to English football, maybe the last two or three years, you're just, I don't want to say you have it in for him, mm-hmm. but you don't seem to feel that he is all that anymore. You know? I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah. Well, I'm going to... This see is my truth, tell me yours, own. My truth is, with regards to the weekend just gone, and this has happened a couple of times, actually, since he returned to English football for his second spell. Yeah. He accepts these nil-all draws at away against teams who aren't that great. Yeah. This idea that, okay, Mourinho is a great coach and can pick and choose his plans. And when he wants a nil-all draw, he goes and gets a nil-all draw and that's all fine. Th- that's okay, maybe, if you're playing... If, if you'd seen the Manchester City game this weekend and you're playing Man City next weekend, mm. I'd probably say, yeah, if you're going to City, <laughs> nil take, your nil, take your nil-all. You're going to <laughs> Liverpool, they're leaking like a sieve. <laughs> yeah. Any, any bit of pressure, you're going to score a goal. Yeah, and this is what you, everyone and else you don't is about, you, I don't understand. It's a very negative attitude to me to accept a, a nil-all draw. If All the things that people are saying, about you can get a one-nil, you can have all those things said about your coaching performance and still win the game one-nil. Mm. You can bore the hell out of everybody and win the game 1-0, mm. as lots of teams have done over the years. But to bore everyone and walk away with a 0-0 nil, nil as though it's some sort of achievement, it's not. Mm. It's actually not a very good result. No, it wasn't. And it was put to... <sighs> put to Maria. Well, look, I, 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 I think we agree. Yeah. I think we... I, I couldn't oh. think... I couldn't. There were times I when I thought with. I was watching Ireland. Oh, yeah. But it's okay for Ireland to do that. Yeah, completely. Like, that's... Ireland is Myler, Murphy, you know? We're going to get out there and... Be competitive, be aggressive, Put win the ball, pressure. get on with the play. You know, but this is, this is the, it's actually only the third most expensive squad in world football at the moment because Paris Saint-Germain and Manchester City have spent so much money that they've edged slightly ahead. Mm. But we're talking, it's really close. I mean, it's those three way out in front of everybody. And we're still seeing this. I know, I know Jose Mourinho said he was without a couple of important players in the same position. Pogba and uh, Flaney, but he said, like, I had nothing on my bench. I turned to my bench, nothing. Looking back at him from the bench with big, big sad eyes was Little Juan Mata, <laughs> right? Doer of good works. You read that, uh, Donald McRae interview with Juan <laughs> I Mata. Did. Largely ignored good works, unfortunately, by most of the football world. Well, lar- ignored good works by a lot of the football world. Not a lot of people are signing up to give away 1% of their money, but, you know, he's making slow and steady progress. Giorgio Collini's on board. He sent an email saying, "Please put me. I want to sign me up. Where do I give my one?" And he's got a couple of big announcements coming up. So on, can it? He's doing. Oh, here I know. But it's not just about it's not just about his good works off the field. This is a guy who, on the very field, Mourinho was standing next to, just a couple of seasons ago, scored twice to win the game. You know, does anybody remember this? I mean, I remember it. Um, 
and, and, and he's kind of written off in the category of nothing. A, <laughs> a two-goal match winner. Nothing, you know? I, I, I find that amazing. And I wonder, I mean, we know how Matter feels about that. You know, he's got, a, he's got a sadness about the condition of the world, and this is, he, he's got the perspective on the world to know that his personal sadness is only a tiny part of it, and there's no point in feeling sorry for himself. In general, he's lucky. But Romelu Lukaku, how does Lukaku feel about it? You know, everyone after the game is saying, oh, there's Lukaku, doesn't score against the big teams. Like, there's just reams and reams of stats which are coughed up to make Lukaku look really, really terrible. You know, Vardy scores three times as many goals against the big clubs as Lukaku. You know, Lukaku only scored 15 times in 58 games against the big six. You know? He joined, He left Everton to get away from that. He left Everton to get away from playing for a team which is back in its own half, and he's the only man up front, and it's him against, you know, two or three... Uh, defenders. Mm. This is exactly what happens when he plays for Manchester United, but everybody criticizes him. Yeah. And it's like, well, you missed that chance, didn't you? He did miss the chance. The one chance that The chance. The chance. Well you missed the chance. I don't I wouldn't say you'd be getting too much sympathy from the manager for missing that chance because I think in Mourinho's view of the game, you score that chance. And that's what legitimizes everything. Mm. But you know it's it's quite difficult to score the only chance that you get. Sometimes it happens, but mostly it won't. You know, mostly you need a couple. And if you're playing in a team that doesn't doesn't really give you that. So Mourinho talks about it afterwards saying, he said, I know you probably think they were offensive and we were defensive. Yes. And, this, and everyone was kind of, go on. Well. He said, but, you know, you're playing at home. It's nil-nil and you don't do it. You don't change anything. He's referring to the fact that Liverpool didn't change, didn't kind of go. He, he was saying, I was waiting for them to change. I was waiting for them to take off a midfielder, put on an attacker. But they didn't do that, so they didn't. They didn't open the door for us to, to do anything. And it's, it is kind of an interesting point. Uh, I mean, he was basically saying they were just as bad. They were just as as worried about losing, as we were. So don't go, don't come in here and tell me that, you know. But the point about it is that the game was already sort of tilted in Liverpool's fa- favour. You know, there was they were the ones who United hadn't had a shot since the Lukaku chance, and they weren't really. You know, they, they they weren't really in the game in a sense. It was just a question of can Liverpool actually score a goal before the time runs out here? That's the that's the question. And the answer was no, they can't. But as a manager, all you can really do is try to tilt the game in your team's favour. You know, so if the game is running in that direction already, then you don't really need to change the system. You know, you're just kind of hoping that someone manages to score. Well, they weren't exactly banging the door down either, though, Liverpool. In terms of chances. Well, you know, again, against a a team that's defending in in such depth and, you know, got some decent defenders and knows what they're doing, it's not necessarily always easy. Uh, They were also missing a couple of players themselves. I mean, the one player you would say from Liverpool's squad who would be most useful in that situation is Mane, and he wasn't there. You know, in terms of being able to find a way through a very packed defence, you know, he's a a player who can find gaps. So, I mean... you know, the, the nil all was obviously a good result for Manchester United in the in the sense that, as Klopp said, this was what they wanted. They've got it. We wanted to win. We didn't get it. So they're the ones who are happy. But then the Man City result comes in. And not only the Man City result, but the performance. It's incredible. You know, I, I don't know if you've, if you've seen any of it. Yeah, unbelievable. The, the goal, goals one and two just follow one after the other. You know, uh, like it's kicked off. City immediately get the ball back. It goes back to the keeper. It goes back through the entire team. It's played through, uh, and then there's there's players 
queuing up in the six-yard box. It's like oh, the whole Man City team is standing at the edge of the six-yard box going, which one of us is going to kick this one in? Who deserves this one? You know? And there was a couple of goals like that. You saw Kevin De Bruyne play. I mean, it's one of the best, one of the best performances in the Premier League in years. Uh, and, and you know, you see Sané. Sané was absolutely incredible. You know, this is a very young player. You know, that last season wasn't even in the team at the beginning of the of the season. Uh, you see Raheem Sterling in his best ever form. David Silva is a revitalized player. Okay. Joey Barton says, Guardiola is probably the world's best, but give him the Burnley budget and you wouldn't be seeing any 7-2s. Let's not delude ourselves. Now, I think Joey Barton is correct. I don't think he's correct in an important way. You know, it, it is it is a kind of an obvious statement that he's that he's made there, and that is true. But that's why you don't compare Guardiola to Sean Dyche. You compare him to Mourinho. Yes, the other other managers who are on this level who have this kind of who have these resources, who have the chance to put together a team that plays that way. Some of them do, and some of them don't. You know, I mean, De Bruyne, the player, the key player in that Manchester City team and this absolute genius who we saw and 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 such an all-round genius. Oh, he makes his own tackles and tw- two of the goals came from De Bruyne tackles followed by ridiculous pinpoint passes across the half the length of the field. It was like a player who combined some of the best qualities of Steven Gerrard and Dennis Bergkamp. You know, that's the kind of level we're talking about here. Then this is a player who obviously Mourinho didn't have any patience with at Chelsea. He's like, well, you know, you're obviously a kind of a soft-cheeked Butcher boy looking guy. Not really sure if we need you hanging around here with that miserable face you always seem to have on. Because he does actually, isn't he, De Bruyne? He, he, he does have a kind of a s- slightly lugubrious face. Yeah, I don't know about miserable. More just kind of Pensive. a deep, a little worry. He's worried about yeah. something. It's a profound sadness that we don't know the exact reason of, it's but we do feel sorry for him. For some isn't it? Mm. No, Jared so, had something similar. No, Jared was worried. Jared always looked worried. De Bruyne looks like there's an existential problem somewhere. You know, deep rooted in his psyche. Yeah, he's he's I'm sure he's probably fine. This is, he, he, he probably he probably is. I mean, he was talking. He saw him talking afterwards about how great it was that everyone was sort of playing together. No one was playing for themselves. You know, people are setting each other up, and it kind of feels amazing to be part of a team where where this sort of stuff is happening. Um, so I, the point that I was trying to write about after this weekend is that there's this argument. This is ongoing argument. It's like an eternal argument about between. Are you a team that tries to live off the mistakes of your opposition in the in the manner of say Mourinho, you know Trapattoni, Benitez, you know this type of coach? It's like they're going to make a mistake, and that's when we're going to score. Or are you going to be a team that tries to make the game happen? You know, you, the the opposite type of team. Like it's kind of like what, what when we have the ball, that's what we think. Of, that's what we're thinking about. Mm-hmm. It's not. I mean, at one extreme, you've got the Go out there and have fun, lads. Express yourselves. You know, that's the sort of... Mm. <laughs> that's the one extreme. Uh, uh, but, you know, there's... I would say, I'd say Guardiola is definitely one of these coaches. Which is not to say that he doesn't also, you know, focus on what happens when they don't have the ball. But really, when they do have the ball, is what it's about. Because they're going to have... They're going to try to have the ball for 70% of the game. And if that's really what they're they're thinking about. Whereas, I think for other coaches, of which Mourinho is, is the leader, you know, the the archetype at this at this time... Uh, it's kind of about what happens to the other team at the ball. As uh, as he said after the game <clears throat> on uh, Saturday, they like they never opened the door. Klopp did well, 
<laughs> they they really don't like each other very much. This is going to blow up at some point. Mm. This is definitely going to blow up. I mean, it was just barely, they were barely tolerating each other. You saw what Klopp said about, we couldn't play this way at Liverpool. Yeah. Which, in which he... he, he he uh, shows his own lack of knowledge of the history of the of the club there because you know they've they've played that way a lot. I couldn't work out which press conference was first because in, in each of the reports I was reading there was a bit of the oh what was he saying what was Mourinho saying and then there uh, don't was, tell what, me what he said I what don't want to Klopp, talk about him yeah what was Klopp saying yeah 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 I'm sure he was they, saying they, the journalists were trying to say oh well what Jurgen said don't tell me what Jurgen said I'm not here to comment on Jurgen then he does anyway thought he did well <laughs> he never let the game break. Rashford and Lingard were waiting for the game to break it, but he didn't let the game be broken. In other words, you know, gaps at the back. Hen- Henderson Henderson tries to get into the box. Oh, no. You know, <laughs> we've, we've lost the ball. You know, they're through. So, uh, but what he's saying is, we can't score until they make a mistake. That's what it's, that's what it's about. That's the moment that he's focused on in the game. Where, when is their mistake going to happen? You know, I can remember... Do you remember years ago when he was managing Chelsea, they got a great nil-all at Arsenal? It was a, a, a great nil-all, like a, a great Mourinho nil-all. This is one of the ones I was thinking of. This is a, yeah. at the start of his second spell with Chelsea. Yes. At the time, again, I remember thinking, that's not such a great result. It wasn't a bad result as it as it stood because Arsenal, if I recall correctly, were playing decent decently enough. They went there, got nil-nil, nil, sort of broke Arsenal. So Mourinho did a lot of chess beating. Yeah, it was very much celebrated Terry like a victory. Terry shirt off, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But is it was, that it? yeah, I think that was at the what, end of a nil. Really? Yeah, even though it was like it was Christmas during Christmas, yeah, Mourinho was yeah, really yeah. energized. He was like, "Oh, I feel this is my, che- I got my Chelsea back." But William, if you remember, William had a great chance in that game. Like he got away. There was a, I can remember Mourinho just li- running up to the sideline as this was happening. Going, oh, this is the moment. I smell the blood, the blood. And William, you know, as I recall, a kind of powder puff shot didn't. It didn't happen. That should have been. That should have been what turned the nil all. Arsenal are all frustrated and this whole stadium is, is in uproar uh, and, you know, really angry with Jose Mourinho <laughs> to, like, Arsenal have been beaten 1-0 and this is just an absolute, you know, this mm. is like an Inter at Barcelona type of moment. Um, yeah, so so the point the point is it's about it's about waiting for the opponent to make a mistake where, as opposed to the other kind of team which is, like, trying to make it happen. Which by, you could say... things that you do. And he would say is the pragmatic way of doing things because... You then, you're giving yourself a chance of beating teams, but at worst, you're going to draw. Oh, absolutely! And there, there is, there, it's it's impossible to really argue. It's it's very difficult to make a conclusive case that one is definitely better than the other because you've seen great teams that do both. You've seen Mourinho in the Champions League, you know, twice playing this way. You know, you've seen him beat teams, supposedly great teams, that play the other way. You know, that, that are kind of the the sort of more uh, creative or ball-focused yeah. as opposed to mistake-focused teams. Uh, and you've seen, you know, great teams, but, you know, teams like Barcelona or whatever winning. The, so you've seen teams of both types, both type be really successful. You can't say one type of football is definitely better than the other. You can't. You've seen too many, too much contradictory evidence on, on any given day. One side can be, one, one form can be better than the other, can be better executed. Uh, and it's difficult to make that. And I think that fans, you know, people, if people talk about, oh, this is this wasn't entertaining. Like when Mourinho gets so contemptuous of that argument, like oh, it's not entertaining. Like, and he did that again on Saturday. Like, oh, entertaining. Depends what you mean by entertaining. You know, yeah, you know, it, that game was pretty entertaining for people who read football. You know, at a higher yeah. level, in a different way. He said, but he meant at a higher level. And and 
I think that fans will will definitely, if you win, they'll support whatever it is that you're doing. They will. It's like the Ireland fans are, are not complaining about. Someone tweeted me the other day on Saturday saying, only two Welsh fit to start uh, today after our particular brand of toxic masculinity. Uh, <laughs> two of the 11 Welsh starters made it into their club teams this weekend. Uh, but, you know, no one, no one was really complaining. Now, there is, there is a difference, obviously, between Ireland and Manchester United and what kind of things you should be doing. But I think the important distinction is this. What about the actual players? What about the players? You know, the fans will support any team that wins. Managers can win. You know, some managers think wait for a mistake is the best way. Some managers think, no, no, if you wait for a mistake, you could be waiting all day. Why don't we make it happen for ourselves, you know? Okay, different different approaches. But the one group that it actually really does affect and who, and who it makes a meaningful difference to is the players. Because they get to play either for a manager who says... Come on, guys! We're going to try and do something great here together. You know, let's try and let's let's try and make our dreams reality using this ball. You know, uh, or they play for a manager who says, "Okay, you're all watching like hawks, right? The moment when you know they're going to make a mistake, and that's when we spring. Until then, Anthony Marcel, don't want to see you running like an idiot into the box, right? You know, these you saw these moments like Mar- Marcel. Where is he? You know, a wide player usually is getting into the penalty area when the other side when the ball's on the other side because, you know, someone's got to be in the box. But no, they're not. It's This wide player is is thinking of himself as mm, as kind of a, a, an auxiliary left-back. He's not going to make that run. Anthony Martial comes off the field having not achieved a whole lot. Maybe he was United's best attacker in some ways. You know, he did some nice things on the ball on the rare occasions that he got it. But it wasn't exactly one of those games that is going to he's going to be looking back at, at the end of his career, going, oh, I'm so glad I played that day, you know? Uh, and, it's, and it's kind of the same. It's, it's, it's particularly the case when you look at the history of Mourinho's teams with the players in that exact position. Because they're the ones, if you're a striker, you can, you, you're kind of up front. You get to stay up front. Even if you're isolated, mm-hmm. even if there's no one around you, you're still up front, you know? Could be a thankless task at times, but at least you don't have to actually run back into defense all the time. But it's the kind of wide or between the lines attackers mm-hmm. who are caught by this gravitational feel of this you have to be part of the defensive structure you know what i mean you 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 have to you can't forget those responsibilities and they're the ones who don't tend to last long in his teams they get chewed up uh sold on iron robin one matter it doesn't matter how good you are it will catch up but you know he Ke- has kevin our, de brown kevin de brown exactly i mean it, he's maybe slightly different in that Mourinho just wasn't really putting him in the team. He was kind of like, you're not ready. He he made the decision, you're not ready. Uh, and De Bruyne said, well, I don't want to sit on the bench. So it's, it was different for us. There were, there were players, look at Robbins last season, you know, Chelsea under Mourinho. He, he, his, his goals just dried up. Everything just dried up about his game. And he felt like he had to get away from there. Um, Damien Duff, you know, similar, similar sort of things. What my point about it is that, the one, the the I the reason I believe it's better to be a team that tries to focus on what you're doing is that it's more fun for your players that way. That's what players want to do. And while there are players who are happy to do what they're told, you know, who who actually like having a structure, a manager who says do this, do that. There are some players who like that. I think that if you're talking about the very best players, which is to say the type of players who would end up playing for Manchester United. One of the you know one of the biggest and wealthiest clubs in the world. I think you actually are going to get more and more. You're going to get players who 
are like, no, I'm, I'm actually great. I want to, you know, give me the ball. Let's, let's, let's make some things happen here. Like, like, like to Brian, you know? He's like, wow, it just felt so good to be out there playing like that. You know, a, a top footballer who's actually taking an almost childlike pleasure in what in the game that he's just like, oh, that was amazing. Well, then you look at someone like Zlatan, who no, has played with Mourinho before and had no hesitation at all in devoting the end of his career mm. to this manager. Mm. Looked pretty happy playing under him. Matic, I know a very different kind of player. Maybe a Matic type is is some similarities. Some similarities. Both both sort of spinal players. Yeah, and it's not it's not as though it's not some there haven't been players who have loved playing for Jose Mourinho. Quite a lot. Look, Frank Lampard. Yeah. You know, is there is there a better example than Lampard? You know, Lampard. Uh, I think he he reached levels that surprised himself. Didn't Wesley Snyder, as a guy who might Snyder. fit into the type of player you're talking about there, mm. what some might term a luxury player? Yeah. He had a great season, his best season Terrific ever. Season twenty ten, yeah. Under Jose Mourinho, yeah. so there are so there are exceptions. At least. There, are, there are, there are absolutely. Um, I mean, in Zlatan, Zlatan is an, is a strange case as well because he had he had obviously been um, he left to Mourinho's Inter for Pep's Barcelona, and that obviously didn't go great for him. And you know, he he talks about like he, he was always in communication with Mourinho. He always got on with him well at a personal level. He says Mourinho is like a movie star. You know, the first time. I met him, he, you know, I was with my wife, and he said, hey, he sidled up to Satan's wife, and he's like, hey, you know what your job is? And she's like, no. Uh, and he says, you know, you're going to look after this big guy here, you know, slapping Zlatan like a horse, you know, slapping, and he's like, listen, this guy. Legs. Look at that rump. Yeah, look at this. I, you know, this guy needs to be getting, you know, plenty of sleep and plenty of really good food, you know, and. Uh, you think he can think he can handle that? <laughs> this kind of stuff. And Zata was like, oh, it was great. You know, she loved it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she did. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that... He, I'm actually a wildly successful entrepreneur, but whatever, Jose. Yeah, cool. He is able to get on the wavelength of of, uh, of certain of these players, and, and they do respond well. But in in the aggregate, I, I feel the players will prefer will prefer to be playing... will will pref- prefer to believe in their own ability, rather than it's kind of... These guys aren't as good as they think they are, right? That's the, that's their problem. These guys think, you know, they're amazing, but they're not. They're actually not all that, and they are going to make a mess of it at some stage, and that's when we're going to score. You know, it's kind of, it's just, it's more of a mental strain to sort of, and that's why I, f- I kind of feel it's it's a difficult thing to make work at a, at a really top club like United, or it's, it was impossible at Real Madrid. Because mm-hmm. I mean, in Madrid, they were like, this, this is bullshit. Why are we, this is nonsense. Like, we are... We are the best. We should be the best team in the league. Look at the look around us. Sergio Ramos is like, we've got me, we've got we've got we've got Chris. We've got me. You know, why are we pretending? Why are we playing as though we're a small team? This is and they rebelled against it. Uh, and it's it's going to be. I think that's going to be really well. Interesting again, to see. after winning a league title in the middle of the era of the greatest Barcelona team of all time, certainly at that time, uh, they picked off a La Liga title in the middle of all that. They did, and they scored a. An enormous uh, number of goals. Um, they did, but you know they've won three Champions League since he left. I mean, they they make it to a decent, decent outfit. Like. Ah, no, there's a decent three Champions League in four seasons right, since yeah. Mourinho left, having not been to a final while he was there. You know, this is a good look. We can, yeah. I said we can't just talk about that, but we have to. We have Let's to talk quickly. about something else. Go on, what else? What an amazing uh, interview! A series of interviews by Troy Deeney. Who, who surely should become a punditry superstar after the um, after his football career with Watford is is over. Uh, 
I do. I, sorry, Owen, I just do have to mention that the one other thing on, on the subject we've just been discussing is that there were also stories then emerging after the game or on, on Sunday, one of them by Duncan Castles in the, in the record in Scotland, that, I think it was in the record, yeah, uh, that the, these stories that had emerged with Mourinho as being, you know, talking, there was talks over a five-year contract is not, not true, and in fact, he's, he's con- contemplating quitting the club. He's contemplating quitting the club because of um, uh, what he... This is Duncan Castles. The Portuguese coach has complained of what he perceives as unnecessarily bureaucratic and inefficient organisation at Old Trafford and United's Carrington training base. So there's no no discussions between uh, them and the uh, and, and uh, <laughs> Ed Woodward. And they face the prospect of losing Jose Mourinho. He also does an interview um, with Telefoot uh, in France... Where he says, uh, "I can. What I can say is, I'm still a manager with questions, with ambitions, with a desire to do new things. I do not think. In fact, I'm sure that I will not finish my career here. <laughs> do you mean Manchester United? Yes. And uh, and he also says, cryptically, uh, where is the bloody thing? He basically said, uh, my son who lives in London, uh, is it? The other day, my son who lives in London went to Paris." not to Manchester to watch the match asked why his son chose that option the United manager said because at the moment in Paris there is something special magic quality youth it's fantastic <laughs> so okay it's a great city with a, an increasingly great football club being built and he, he, he threw in one other thing in that, which is unrelated to anything we've been talking about but he mentioned Pogba and he's saying oh, Pogba's oh what an amazing boy he can do anything he can bend the football world his will you know, we found the right balance for him in midfield to to uh, so he can really express his you know, express himself. Um, but you know, when he's with Matweedy, when he's on the field with Matweedy, something just really doesn't work there. You know, just really doesn't really work. So, just sort of threw that in. You know, I mean, which I'm not sure Pogba would necessarily thank him for. Maybe it's true. Maybe Pogba and Matweedy kind of yeah. find they they're not really able to play well together. But I did think it was strange for a club manager to sort of make such a point about. The dynamics of a, the French national team. Mino Raiola is pretty happy to hear that sort of chat. I'd say uh, another monster payday. <laughs> it's why between first, for, first Mourinho and then Pogba to PSG in like two years' time. Oh god, yeah. Pogba's got to keep moving. You know, he's got to stay fresh. Well, it all depends on whether Pogba, you know, develops as a, into as Lampard. You know, if 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 he if he ends up having that type of career under Mourinho as opposed to one of the more the ones where they end up pointing a finger at each other and blaming each other. Go on then, give us the juicy Troy Deeney quote. Well, just Deeney um, did like a 10-minute slot in BT Sport after the game and also various interviews where he, he, he basically went all Castleford rugby league commentator on Arsenal and called Arsenal a bunch of bottleless gits, <laughs> you know? Um, I'm physical. I'm, I'm physical, ugly. I do all the things they don't like. I wanted to see who out of the back three was up for the challenge. None of them were. This is him talking about going up for a header, you know, against like Mertesacker and just yeah. going, you didn't even jump for that. This is going, you know. He was like, if, if you let me do my, if that, you know, that's my strength. And if you let me do my strength, you're going to be in for a really tough game. And so he came on as a sub, sort of, uh, they, you know, scored the penalty, helped to force the, Winning goal in extra time. He he called out Mesut Ozil by by name. He said Ozil came on as a sub as well. Ozil missed a one on one, like a three on two break that turned into a a good chance from the edge of the box. Really should be scoring. This one straight to the keeper, wasn't it? And yeah, straight to the keeper. Keeper saves it, went away up the pitch, and and 
Dean, he said, did you see him after that chance? Did you see his face? You know, ah, oh, I'll get another one. He's like, no, you won't. This is a, you know, this is a Premier League. The, everyone's catching up. You can't do that. You can't just act as though, oh, that's going to be all right. <laughs> which was an amazing yeah. thing to say, which is true, I think. I mean, I've seen Ozil do that. Uh, it was good that we had Deany to point it out because I don't remember seeing a close-up on TV of Ozil's face. I would I would have been blind to it, but Deany apparently got a good look at him. Yeah, uh, he was thinking, ah, it'll be grand. You could argue that's a strength, by the way, that well, a top-level player is supposed to react like that when they miss a chance. Stay calm, there'll be another one. Don't beat yourself. But Deany certainly wasn't in generous mood in his interpretations. They lacked a bit of what's it called cojones, said Troy Deany. <laughs> Accusing Arsenal of being ballless, bottleless gits. I mean, there, there, there was there was footage of of Granitxaka literally picking his nose as Tom Cleverley scored the winner. Though, you know, I mean, he they can't just be like you know a little disinterested. They have to be like facing the with their back to like an attack happening forty yards away while two lads are having a conversation or at literally picking their nose. It was amazing. Well he could have been just scratching his nose or rubbing it, but it did he did have his hand, his finger to his nose as the ball uh deflected off I forget who it was in the arse sort of in the six yard box and came rolling out to Tom Cleverly, who had been just standing in front of Shaka until he had sort of moved forward a little bit to around the penalty spot, and Shaka had just stood on the D, just kind of going, this isn't really my responsibility. I mean, midfielders are told, don't don't get back in and sort of, um, you know, uh, get muddled around in the defence. You know, you're getting in people's way. Don't, don't run back into the defensive line. But you also don't just allow somebody to stand unmarked in front of the defensive line either. You know, that's, he should have been doing that. But. All right, that's it for today's Ophelia special report on sport. Timbuktu. Yo, listen up, here's the story. They're all pampered. We haven't got leaders. They're all just headphones. Inside and outside blue they don't communicate. You can't get anything out of them. That's why we're no good. They're all just headphones. They don't communicate on the pitch. They don't communicate off the pitch. They're all pampered. Oh, we're getting ready for Russia. Good luck. And then after that, we'll be building a team for Timbuktu. Timbuktu. How have England reacted to that equaliser? Perfectly. Um, no panic. Calm straight down. Continue dominating the game, playing and staying in Iceland's heart. It's been the perfect response. You'd think that no problem. The only thing that they have got is the big boy up front, Sigurdsson, who really, Sigthorsson. Oh, oh my word. Oh. Tell us, talk us through that, Steve. I think we know what's happened. Oh, just say, Sigthorsson. <laughs> just cannot. Email in here to editor at secondcaptains.com from Daniel Walsh. Subject, open goal. Ken, and to a lesser extent, Owen. 
I don't like Daniel already, Ken. <laughs> Ken, and to a lesser extent, Owen, before the Ireland-Wales game, you touched on the idea of how much it would mean to a League of Ireland player to get capped by the senior team, as well as the diminishing returns from sticking to the English Academy's approach to Irish squad selection. Fast forward to today, I don't know if this is one of the days last week, and you're discussing how much fans appreciate a lesser quality but more parochial international game. Oh yeah, well, I was talking about that. Combine this with the accusations of anti-Cork bias, and what are we left with? An open goal, similar to the one of the many gilded chances Shane Long had against Moldova. So rather than give a shout out to Cork City and their stumbling over the line march to the league title, you decide instead to discuss an admittedly dour game between Liverpool and Man United. So that was on Friday. You had a member of the Dundalk backroom staff on last year discussing the war of nutrition they embarked upon to get to their lofty heights of the Europa League. I'd be shocked if this was less popular than a spin-off of Red Monday. As in talking about Cork City. The FAI Cup final is fast approaching. Surely there's something around it which warrants airtime. Or you could discuss how N'Golo Kante from a town none of your listeners have been to has suffered a knock, denying a Siberian billionaire in his attempt to reclaim the Rupert Murdoch Cup. To you, can I ask, is there not something hypocritical about praising Joe Brody for his views on capitalism while diverging your content to a corporate behemoth which flies in the face of ideas <laughs> such as belonging and place yours, disappointed casual League of Ireland fan, <laughs> Belonging and place. Well, very, I mean, quickly on that, all, very quickly on this one, Ken, because we got to get out of here yeah, while it's still safe to do so. I'd say this, this, this once again is another example of the florid paranoia of Cork people. I mean, I've, I have no idea what the, where the anti-Cork bias how that suddenly gets injected in here. That's know. just a general uh, yeah, theme paranoid. in life. You US, know? US Murphy was playing a round of golf in California and was assailed by his own caddy, a man from Cork, giving out yards about our anti-Cork bias <laughs> in I, California. Ingolo Kante is from Paris, uh, which I'm sure some of our listeners have, <laughs> have, have been to or at least heard of. Um, and uh, yeah, Roman Abramovich is not Siberian, um, although he is, yeah, he is Russian. And there's his attempts to reclaim the Rupert Murdoch Cup. Okay, that is a point. Uh, is, is there's not something hypocritical about praising Joe Brody for his views on capitalism? Well, blah blah. Well, basically covering the Premier League, which is like the ca- the, the purest form of like amorphous essential capitalism. Sure, uh, maybe there is a point there. But when Joe, Joe Brody is talking about the GAA, the GAA, his whole point is about trying to stop the GAA becoming sort of financialized, you know, to stop it being sort of dragged into this system, uh, to keep it as it is with people doing it for love. That's what he's talking about. I mean, professional football uh, in Europe, in England, in Ireland or any other country has never really been like that. It's been like, it's always kind of been for money in the sense, you know, it's, I don't think there's anything, you know, it would be, it, it would be kind of pointless to say what Joe Raleigh says about the Premier League because it would kind of be like... I think, Ken, really, you're missing the main thrust of the email. Daniel just wants some Cork City coverage. I understand, Daniel. I understand what you're saying. don't think he really minds too much how much uh, airtime you give the Premier League. I will mention Cork City today, Daniel. Their slow march to the title, as you talk about, has been slowed even further by the inclement weather. Their game against Derry City at Turner's Cross tonight has been postponed until tomorrow night. So you're going to have to wait at least one more day before finally seeing this. This seems to be going on for about six months. Yeah, Since I think the very start of the season. I think a lot of people have been uh, tweeting that uh, you know the triathlon finish where the two people just keep falling oh, over the all crawl, the time. Yeah, everyone has been tweeting that at Cork City fans recently. So I'm going to add my name to this extremely cliched uh, uh, online meme. Well, Daniel, we we wish you and the rest of the Reds there in Cork best of luck tomorrow night in finally sealing the deal. I hope you're happy with that. I'm looking outside outside the window here. It's eerily. It's the nicest day of the year. Yeah. What, are, what are people talking about? <laughs> I'm with Ken. Let's stay in here and party. <laughs> All right, World Service members, we'll see you on the other side. Do stay safe. I'm, I'm only joking uh, about the 
We yeah, are aware of, we are aware of what's of going situation. on by the time you're probably listening to this. So do stay safe. We will see you on the other side. Non-World Service members, also we'd like you to stay safe. But what more do we have to do for you than brave the worst storm in 50 years to record a free podcast for you on Monday? Show us a bit of love in return, will you? Get on to secondcaptains.com. Support this thing for crying out loud. A five or a month plus VAT is all it is. Just do it for a month and see how it goes, all right? <sighs> Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, all. Thank Thanks, Ken. Care. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. We'll see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.